Welcome to Commagers. I'm Brian Costello. I'm Jim DeSanto. And I'm drunk on sleep deprivation and a half bottle of white. <laughs> oh, sleep deprivation. <coughs> it, it is the worst thing you could have happen to you. Uh, today, we are looking at a film that will make you question how you fill the hours of your life. We're watching and talking about for Katie in particular, yeah. because to be fair, no two 40-year-old males would ever pick this movie if there wasn't a woman on their podcast. Yep. The hours. Yay. Uh, but first, let's discuss what we are drinking this episode. What does everybody have? I'm having Ooh, Jim, that Basil good. Hayden's Dark Rye, which is um, a very nice rye that is mixed with, I don't think they say exactly how much, but it is blended with uh, port. Um, oh. so it's very, uh, it's a very interesting flavor. It's, um, a little sweet, a little spicy. It's very nice. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Uh, Katie. I'm, I'm on a Sauvignon Blanc kick today. We were at a friend's house. We had some Marlboro County Sauv Blanc, Ooh. which is my preference, but I have drank all of the Marlboro County Sauv Blanc from our house. So now I've moved on to the California Sauv Blanc. Mm-hmm. Lovely. The Marlboro I... Woman. M, let's see if we can play the game and understand why I picked this beer. I am yeah. drinking Little Wolf oh, I Pale Ale uh, by Zero Gravity Brewery uh-huh. in Vermont. Like, like Virginia? You know, like Virginia Wolf. Uh-oh. I am now matching Cheers. our drinks Cheers to, to and the film. Um, fact check from last week. <clears throat> first of all, we are excited to name our first ever Com Majors Funko Pop winners of the amazing Princess Bride Funko Pops. If you uh, watch us on Facebook, we had before the show uh, announced the winners. Our winners are Megan Kinson, uh-huh. Megan Campbell, Yay! and Patty Costello. Yay! So we will get Funko Pops Three for wonderful them. Wonderful yeah. listeners. Wonderful oh, listeners. I'm so excited. I know. They so, will get to pick so their is it that- pop. Does Meg so like does the first choice get to pick the first character and then and no so I I think that as oh, long as they're they yeah they can pick whichever they can one pick they whoever want whoever they want we so, will be in touch with them about yeah. who they want so ladies you get to decide whether you want Buttercup Wesley or Inigo Montoya uh, and we will ship them off to you we just need your addresses and they yes, will be we in will the take- mail Amazon will mm-hmm. deliver. Yes, it will be there, a delivery. A couple things we talked about in the last episode. We did some polls and questions. Last week, of course, uh, Katie and Jim were telling us how The Princess Bride was their first date movie. Uh, First date, they saw a movie, and that was what they saw. Uh, Of course, Aileen and I, for our first date, saw The Notebook. Uh, So we asked people, what movies did you see on a potential first date? And by and large, I often wonder if our relationships that we talk about on this show are normal. We are the (laughs) most normal of anybody who listens to us. Uh, Some of the choices uh, somehow Jim DeSanto came to life after his father took his mother on their first date to see a little film called Lady Sings the Blues, uh, which was <laughs> I've, I've never Di- Diana Ross. <laughs> is that what it is? And it was in it. Uh, it was Lady. a musical. Dry, I, I'm not quite sure, but um, it was, the pre- it was a prequel to The Wiz. It was I'm not sure what it was, but it by my looking it up on IMDb did not strike me as a classic first date movie uh but nor did some of the other ones uh monica mcdonald dances with wolves i love it i love very her. long yeah that's a rough one. uh alicia kavanaugh saving private ryan oh that's a rough one yeah that now interesting tidbit she worked at a movie theater huh. and so that's like a little piece of the puzzle there that like she had a little in, in insiders info and access to lots of films. So the fact, yeah, I think and they actually that's both worked one... together. Yeah. Okay. And that's what they so, went to see. The first so were they just, pay. were they just working and went in there and they considered <laughs> that a day? Or... <laughs> we'll have to but ask more questions. E- e- easily, easily <laughs> my favorite of all the responses we got <laughs> was Alicia DeSanto, who <laughs> was taken on a first date to see 
Holmes and Watson. Now you yeah. might ask, okay, Jim and I talked about this way back at the beginning of the show with our instant reaction trailer review. What looked like movies. quite possibly one of the worst films I ever think, made. Yeah. Maybe? I think Leash could have her own podcast called we, like 50 First Dates. Like she could have, have a whole season of like 10 episodes where she goes over just the 10 worst dates she's ever had. And then, I mean, I really think we should sell this to her because I feel like that opens up a whole other line of like people come commenting and calling in with yeah. their. I think she, yeah. I think we should uh, do Holmes and Watson on this show and, and have, have her. her on and find idea. out whoever this other person was. Can we get them on too? Because I, I, I am really I intrigued to find out the thought process behind. Someone saying, I like this girl. I'm going to take her to see Holmes and Watson. And maybe, I don't know, afterwards go to Chuck E. Cheese. I, I'm, I'm wondering what the bag dinner yeah, the dinner component was with this film. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, and then finally, uh, last week, we, we brought up this question towards the end. Which is a bigger movie foul or societal um, wrong here? Uh, hating the Princess Bride or loving chances are. Mm -hmm. And Easy. pretty resoundly, yeah. uh, hating Princess Bride yep. won 67% of the vote. So yeah. you are more depraved if you <laughs> hate Princess Bride than if you love Chances Are. I, I we only agree. know one person. I agree with our listeners. I know one person that hates Princess yeah, Bride. Yeah, I forgot about Yeah. We oh no, wait, someone else commented that they hated it no, too. No, there were some other there were multiple votes wow. for yeah. that thought I'm shocked. Liking chances are was worse than shocked. the well, uh, I can understand that vote, but I can't understand I can't understand that vote. Like <laughs> I, yeah. I cannot I mean, understand the vote. Ridiculous. Aileen, I said thank you for voting. No, Aileen does not mind. Chances are. Huh. All right. A Aileen watched this week's movie with me, by the way. <gasps> oh. She had never seen had it before. You, had you seen it, Brian? Oh, I can't wait to hear uh, what I, you Yes. I, I believe at least parts of it I had. Okay. Because I think I saw it because that's back when I used to see all the Oscar nominated movies. I would go see them mm -hmm. in the theater and that was nominated. For, this rundown. was nominated for so many of them. Um, okay. Okay. It is time for the rundown. This was the first week that I wasn't sure that I should write a poem. Um, I just, it felt a little bit weird. So I wrote it in haiku. It's a non rhyming poem. You might, you won't we understand even, what haiku is. You Kate, won't even be able to tell that it's in haiku. Even I know what a haiku well, is. I read said, it. But I meant You're like that's why it was it different. Haiku. Okay. We should know. Okay, here we go. So I'll just say some of it's a little confusing because mm -hmm. I just, you know, it's a little bit of a confusing movie. Well, it's kind right. of like non-linear storytelling. Exactly. Here we go. <clears throat> Three stories and one across and at the same time. The hours of our lives. Virginia Woolf writes and suffers along the way loves before death. Dalloway. Read by Laura Brown, sad 1950s housewife considering death. Then, story three, now, Clarissa nurses Richard, her love, until death. Wolf sets the framing to consider birth and death and the hours, the love, the life between. Right. Okay, so that's the poem. Now I feel okay. like I need to explain it. Yes. So you have three parallel stories being told in three different times and, you know, places um the i think the the framework is virginia wolf's story her the story of her life and then of her writing specifically mrs dalloway um the movie opens with her committing suicide by drowning herself in the river by her her house and so then we rewind through her story through i think 20 years of her her life yeah it goes back from yes. the 40s um, to the 20s seeing her battle with mental illness and then coming up with the story of mrs dalloway the, uh and you also get a little bit of her relationship with her husband um which is a very strong it's portrayed as a very loving relationship but um you know the the challenge of her stannis baratheon Mental Ooh. illness is really like yes. between them. Mm -hmm. um, second story is a housewife 
in California in the 1950s. She's played by Julianne Moore. I should have said Virginia Woolf is played by Nicole Kidman, for which she won the Oscar. Um, Julianne Moore portrays Laura Brown in the 1950s. Uh, she's married to a war veteran and um, seems unhappy with life, is reading Mrs. Dalloway. So that's the thread uh, to that story. Mm -hmm. And so this is just one day in her life. It's her husband's birthday. She's making him a cake. Her young son is home with her, kind of watching as mom unravels a little bit. Um, in the end, mom decides not to kill herself, but we see her having kind of like a crisis after that moment where she's pregnant. Um, and you don't know like what the next step is going to be, right? right. We're like, she's outside of the bedroom, husband's in the bedroom, and we're kind of left with that storyline. Third storyline, which is supposed to be more current day, is Meryl Streep, who is in a relationship with Allison Janney. Um, and she's a book editor who's nursing her best friend, who we find out used to be, was a former lover of hers when they were in their 20s. Um, she is a book editor. He is a poet, and he is dying of AIDS. Novelist, right? Uh, both. He's yeah. being awarded a prize for poetry, okay. um, and he kills himself in front of her on the day that he's supposed to receive this award. Um, and so yeah, I feel a lot like of happy her... feel good yeah. film of the year. So then the thread there is that he has always called her Mrs. Dalloway because her name is Clarissa. Um, and that has, she said that has kind of frozen her like that has like, uh, created a framework for her life. The story of Mrs. Dalloway has, has framed her life. And then at the end we find out that Richard, her friend was the, the young son in the 1950s storyline. So that's the very complicated setup rundown mm -hmm. of the hours. Yes. We need to talk about how underrepresented men are in this film. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, this, Richard is I never mean, wearing any this, clothes. This, he's, he's not. Always, he's always, well, child. He, Ed Harris is showing his breasts mm -hmm. the entire film. That's true. Film. That's true. I, I mean, wanted, I could have done with John C. Riley having a little less clothing on. He yeah. is just eye liked, candy, though. I would have liked <laughs> a little chest hair out of him. <laughs> the, the grease, they are that. This film. Leonard was bringing the silver fox big time. I yeah. thought he could have taken his Leonard. shirt off. Yep. Too much clothing. But, too much clothing <laughs> in this film. Um, this film has some of, and this isn't something we talk about a lot on this film, uh, in the podcast, some of the best editing I've mm. seen in a movie and that I recall. I mean, the, the cuts, the way they cut it, because the need to do it based on the kind of nonlinear storytelling and the beats yeah. and the transitions, I mean... Direction wise, but editing wise is unbelievable. Yeah. And the keeps, timing, the pace of the film is great. Yeah. It keeps the thread of the themes they are really trying to carry uh, going throughout each storyline. It's almost as if, um, you know, the editing is, would, could be considered like a jump cut to like a different, you know, a totally different time period. But because they are so intrinsically linked with what's happening um and the story they're trying to tell tell you of how all these three different timelines are connected um they don't feel jumpy at all it's almost like oh my god i want to get back to that story and then it happens so that you kind of know like how is this sort of connected and yeah it's interesting that in the i thought they seamlessly did that and the production design of this movie yeah. was great yeah. to be able to to do it in that way. And also, before we get into the themes and stuff like that, this ha is based on a book. Yep. And it's a subject matter for a film that usually would feel uh, very long or, in fact, be very long. And I think they did a great job of not falling into one of the pitfalls of novels, which is a two and a half hour runtime and trying to cram in all these other things that I'm sure was in the book in terms of character development, but it, it was just fresh and fast in a I, good way. I think so for me, this movie is exceptional for several reasons. Um, there are not, this may be, we need to look this up. This may be the first movie 
since To Kill a Mockingbird that won the Pulitzer for the novel and then won an Oscar. It wasn't Best Picture, but it, it, it was won nominated, it, though. Right. Yeah, it was and, nominated. And, you know, it won Best Actress. That's that's very rare. It's very rare for a book to win kind of like the most prestigious award for fiction and then also be recognized in the film adaptation as one of the best movies of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, for I think that that's rare for a lot of reasons. One of them is that when you get a really strong piece of literature, it's not usually plot driven, right? There's a lot of mm-hmm. thematic and character based elements that don't always translate well on screen. Right. And so usually people who have loved the book feel like the movie falls flat, right? Like you just can't do as much. Well, but yeah, it's, I think the mediums don't tend to translate. Right. Right. Depending, you know, because most people don't write with a cinematic. Yeah, absolutely. Because it is like, who wants to read a screenplay? Have you ever tried to read a screenplay? No, it's, it's really, it's like reading a stage play. It's like, it is. Yeah. It's, it's not an overly exciting thing to read. There's no character monologue inner monologue or any of that type of stuff with it so i mean the casting in this film you know the the cast of characters the the folks that they have you know you have some of your top actors and actresses playing these roles and to me the level of acting that you see I, I mean it really like there are parts that just feel like you're watching like a stage drama you know like where you you feel it, did. That I, it, it felt like a play yeah i i think it's i think it's beautifully done i, I mean do at you the end what, you feel like that was like that's a work of art like that was a work of art yes do you know the only critique i would have is i wish they shot elements of it more like a play Mm. And I think of, you know, they, they did they were cutting to a lot of clothes. This is solely a cinematography nerd thing here. But I would have liked them to do the framing of what Kubrick did in Eyes Wide Shut. You know how he had longer takes with both characters interacting mm-hmm. for whatever you think about the film. I, I just it's a little bit like the performances are really good, but I would love to have seen like the sequence where Meryl Streep and Ed Harris are back and forth. And it's so much a cut to their face and the yeah. acting's fantastic in it. But I would have loved to see two of them engaging more with one another. Yeah, that's a great that's a great critique. I can, and I also feel like the there's a there's an emotion conveyed by that in terms of seeing them and the space between them, you know, in mm-hmm. that scene um i think you get a little bit bit of that with the julianne moore john c Riley mm. shot of him yes sitting so that was on the brilliant and on, her on the, in the bathroom and you and see I, both of them yeah and even more so they i thought he framed it great with the birthday cake when yeah. they're at the table and the use of light and who's uh-huh. in the light and who's in the darkness yep. they did they did great with that i think maybe and i don't blame him with this is so much of this film is about the idea of silence mm-hmm. and acting in silence that you do need maybe the the one shot on the faces to convey that because the opening sequence is is filmed brilliant uh, brilliantly that opening sequence where you get almost like three or four minutes with no dialogue but you hit each of the storyline and it has mm-hmm. the piano theme which was great i forgot oh, to look who did the, that but no, that was philip glass. glass who is okay so good oh so my good. god i forgot how good it was i've i've added it now as a pandora station i have my <laughs> philip glass radio and the, so the hours comes up a lot on it it's it's just i mean to me this is one of those movies where like the score changes entire scenes right where like mm the the use of music or the use of silence just takes you to a whole other place because it's so well done. Yeah. And and, and mean, the, the score awesome. really amplifies the for me it's like it adds this intense speed to certain to certain portions mm-hmm. of this film that are not physically fast or intense but it's like the the mind in the mind of the characters. You know things are moving at that speed and at and are that intense, and the music plays that perfectly. It's not it's not like rock music that is getting intense. It's mm. not John Williams music that is just bombastic orchestra that's getting intense. It's this like really fast and striking piano 
stuff that is just it, it is it's awesome. Yeah. They, they, they great job with it. You know, one of the other things I thought as I watched this is how I think really good movies need to have timeless qualities. And we've talked about this before that doesn't feel dated. Uh-huh. And and even now, it does, I think all aspects of it almost feel historical now. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're so far yeah. removed from 2001 that if you were to watch it, there's nothing dated about it. Like every right, element of the set in, design yeah. is that time period. Yeah. So you're drawn to that as opposed to feeling like you, you just feel it's real emotion, but it's just the clothing of that time period and the design of that time period. It's not locked into the, you know, pop culture of that time period right, or the minutia right. of that time period. But I also sat there thinking and wondering if you're younger watching this film for the first time, you know, the whole idea that you almost need to be alive during the AIDS crisis to grasp what Ed Harris is going through. Yeah. And I wonder for younger viewers, is that emotion of what he's going through? Do they understand that? Because I often talk to kids now when we were in high school AIDS was such a big thing and I even teach this now we teach the AIDS crisis and kids are like it's almost like nothing to them you know they've heard of it and they don't but it's for me I just it put me back to that time where all these people were dying from this especially in that community and still in that time period and what that would have meant for someone to have that and I think that leads an extra level to kind of the pain that Ed Harris's character goes through, well, I think who is there's... a sneaky, important character in oh, here because you don't amazing. realize that it's him and yeah. the kid. Though I figured it, I remembered from seeing it in the theater. But that character arc is a really sad one when you when you mm-hmm. at the end of the film sit there and think about it, which isn't a focus of the film, but it's like subconsciously, I think you're taking it in and it's heartbreaking. I think there's a few pieces of this in terms of historical context that would be difficult for a modern viewer. Um, And I I just, I find that I'm sure you do too with like teaching, you know, today's kids. They're so removed from so many pieces of these stories, right? So, like, I just had to teach, like, how marriage has changed, right? Like, how marriage has changed over the past 70 years, right? Like, like we literally had a lesson on it because they don't understand that context in story where you have, like, a husband and wife who, like, aren't, like, abusive to each other, aren't going to divorce each other. They just aren't the like the way we would look at like a loving couple today right like mm-hmm. that and that that would just be like typical right like that's just like that's just marriage i mean we were looking in the 1890s but i feel like that lasted a really long time then you have you know the idea of like a veteran of war where you know a lot of our this generation like they don't know veterans right like we're now getting to a point where like it is fewer and far but farther between where people know somebody who has actually seen like active wartime. Right. Um, And then just the idea of like how we used to treat mental illness. And so I feel like there's so many pieces in this that for a new viewer, for a young viewer, um, I mean, I think it's really important, but I'm wondering if that would harm their ability to like access it. Even, even the distance between now and 2000, it was, was it 2001? The it was 2000. It was 2001. Yeah. 2001? Cause I was a little, yeah. Cause well, I was when the interested. No, no, like, no, the, no, no. Harris, the setting, the final story was that's when the movie, yes. that's when the book was written, right? Book was yes. 2001. So maybe that's, the movie yeah, was so probably that's why it was. Yeah. yeah. Like but I even, and I know that as a society in the U S and, and worldwide, we have a lot to, to strive for in this area, but I feel like the stigma of mental health has changed yeah. drastically, even during our life between right? now and then. Yes, no, the, the, just in since two thousand one, like so the the idea of what the characters of Meryl Streep and 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 Ed Harris are going through in that in that time period, um. I feel like it can feel maybe to a younger viewer who is watching this now in their twenties, it could feel unevolved, right? It could feel mm. like, wow, like which, 
it's supposed to, I think. And and I think you're right, Brian. The fact that it does capture that that turn of the the century moment and isn't trying to say that that was pre- it, that's not present day, right? Like, um, yeah, absolutely. It is going to be go down as like three periods in time because yes. that is yes so intrinsic to this story. Um, but it's interesting that to the fact that like the the timing of the book and the timing of this movie, if this came out now, it would not be as impactful. I don't think. Yeah, I agree. That's it. Right. Like I think, I think like those pieces that it covers. Yeah. There, there has been such shift in the past 20 years. Um, yeah. This reminded me, uh, also in terms of the film, but I didn't read the book, but, the feel uh, very much reminds me of David Mitchell's writing. Have you guys read David no. Mitchell before? He does Cloud Atlas. You gave uh, me the the Bone Clocks, and I haven't read the it bone yet. the Bone Clocks. I you and read Cloud, uh, Cloud I read parts of Cloud Atlas. Yeah. I couldn't. But it, there's get a similar, it. different. Now the movie's a little bit different, so I'm not sure that's the best. But that's the feel that he does too. These interwoven yeah. stories, and you're never quite sure where you're going. But the, I, I, if you like this movie, I think David Mitchell will be interesting to read. And actually, yeah. David Mitchell co-wrote the new matrix movie i mean believe it this or not. movie really does honor like it, it is to me it is michael cunningham's novel like i mean there is so much that's just the dialogue is exact and even just the portrayal of like moments mm-hmm. um I, it really nails it in a way that not many film adaptations do um and so yeah I think if you if you love this movie, I would absolutely say read read the book as well because they go hand in hand. Why is there and you you've read the book, Katie? Mm-hmm. Why do they and what is the the point of the theme about the ambiguity of sexuality in this film? What is is that more in the book that they're trying to go into that because I think it's interesting in the sense that he never labels anybody you know yeah. you have these relationships where the blurred line here between is it heterosexuality mm-hmm. are they you know what is going on here and what is the point behind that I, I guess the thing that really jarred me a little bit and i didn't know the point was when uh nicole kidman kisses her sister yeah like is what what was the point and that was a thread that ran through all three obviously and i was just curious like you have nicole kidman married in a, a seemingly pretty loving relationship i mean there are issues with it but then she kisses her sister then you have julianne moore with yeah. tony collette sequence and then you have this whole idea of meryl streep who's in this decade-long relationship with Alice and Janney and Ed Harris's character, who's in multiple relationships, but it seems like there's a love there. What yeah. w- was that fleshed out more so, in the book in terms of what Cunningham was trying to get across? I don't or? think so. I think you kind of get the same feel in the movie that you do in the novel. Um, and again, looking at this in terms of time period, I, I think 2001, you're still looking at the beginning of the idea that sexuality is more fluid than we want to believe. Right. And that, um, I think as a, especially as an American society, there isn't, there was, and maybe still is a need to like box people into, you know, whether you are gay or straight. Um, and so using, I think Virginia Woolf and Mrs. Dalloway was very, they were very much the inspiration for where this, this story went, um, she, you know, as, as an early 1900s writer, she spoke about, you know, having relationships with women, which was very rare for a woman in that time period. Um, and then her story, Mrs. Dalloway, Mrs. Dalloway thinks about a time when she kissed a woman, even though she's in a happily married relationship and Virginia Woolf, we have, you know, much evidence of the love between her and her husband, Leonard. Um, and so to me, that was just one of those threads of, um, you know, that sexuality doesn't need to fit into a box and that you, you can love, uh, different people. (laughs) They don't all need to be of the same gender. Yeah. I I wonder if he, if Cunningham, if it was written the same way, which you're saying it was, because I haven't read the book, um, 
you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of that going on now where writers and, uh, you know, of, of any of, of fiction, um, are trying to just write as though, you know, the sexuality, like you're saying, doesn't need to be boxed in. So I don't need to explain that because just because our sensibility, and this is something that I think the younger viewers would, it would just gloss over Mm. them completely fine. They wouldn't, they wouldn't feel as much of a need that I think we, we grew up in a time where people were very much defined by that. Um, and I think that's starting to change a little bit as well. And I think maybe it was pieces and art like this that sort of pushed that narrative, which is like, we're just going to write, we're going to write these characters as they are. I don't care if you you feel like you need to know if they are this or that, because they're not. Yeah. They are them and that's what they are. Right. Like, so it's interesting. Like when you look through, right, like where, where are the love stories, if you will. Right. Yeah. Like. So to me, like the the story between Virginia and her husband, like that is that is a true love story. You see the mm-hmm. strength of their relationship, but also the story between her and her sister. Like th- there is an intimacy between the two of them, and even the way she reacts to that kiss is very interesting to me. In terms of like, her sister sees that as her telling her that her mental illness has returned. Right, yeah. like the the reaction to that is like. I thought you were getting better. I th- I thought that you were well. Um, and it's so that it's kind of like a coded moment. Um, and you would have to know more about Virginia Woolf to, to know that there, there was more to that story than just that, you know, she was in a heterosexual marriage and had this weird situation with her sister. Um, I don't know if that's documented anywhere right. or if he just invented that. Yeah, but then I tried when you to look at Julianne that. Moore, I didn't see anything. Like I don't, I don't think you're supposed to look at Julianne Moore as like in a happy, healthy relationship with a man that she loves. Like she's not right. So no, to no, me, no, no, like no. she right. very much could be a 1950s woman who never should have this, been married, yeah. right? Who like probably was and you could attracted substitute... to women and then never pursued that. Yeah. Right? What was the name? Uh... Was it Revolutionary Road? Revolution Road? Mm-hmm. Yeah, with, with Kate Winslet and, and Lee, DiCaprio. Yeah, DiCaprio. That's very Sam much that, yeah. that, that, that 50s relationship, right? right. But um, then Meryl dealing Street, with sort of like, the same idea. Richard's, I think Richard's supposed to be the love of her life. Yes. And they're both gay. <laughs> right, right. And right? So, like, right. So, yeah. right, like, but I even when think it challenges. It's funny that we're watching this in such proximity to Eyes Wide Shut, because this comes out three years later. Um, and while Kubrick seems to be telling us that he has like this, this like ultimate truth of like telling us that like all, all these marriages go through this and, and like there, there are things that we need to deal with that are kind of the dark corners of, of like the human psyche and like this, it comes at the same thing in a way that feels like it just obliterates his whole message. Yeah. Which is like well, it's different mindsets, right? I mean, right. it's a different. It, his, uh, yes, exactly, and that's exactly what I mean, Brian. Like his and I think this sort of like when I started to think about that thread, it started to really crystallize what I didn't like about the themes of Eyes Wide Shut. Is that it's just it was basically like an old. It was it was such a perspective of an old man. There's a Victorian to... era vision of right, and and this is a much more evolved look at those same issues, and even some of the characters are are get are becoming um a little more evolved in in the end, and and so it just feels a little more realistic to me mm-hmm. as far as how people would treat each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's, it is interesting how it is sort of dealing with some of the same, the same, same things. Um, obviously a lot more of the, of the sexual desires and eyes wide shut. And this more, this more about, um, sort of life expectations and desires and, yes. and, and yeah. So, but, well, I thought it was interesting because they did, I, I was intrigued with a few of the lines, especially in the Meryl Street part, when she was talking about like happiness is when you're younger yeah. and this idea. And I thought that was interesting in the sense if you think about Eyes Wide Shut, because 
I thought in some ways it was talking, at least in Eyes Wide Shut at the end, it was supposed to be more evolved. Like Tom Cruise was supposed to be more evolved to start to understand happiness is more of a present thing, which I think is what Meryl Streep comes to at the mm-hmm. end. But it's interesting. And I think that both films were tackling this idea of, you know, these perceived ideas of happiness. Like if we're young, in, in this case, Meryl Streep was thinking, you know, when we were younger and we were carefree and, you know, I had this vision of you walking out in this glass door and that was the greatest thing. And people getting caught in that mindset and like with eyes wide shut it was like cruise was always you know you're always looking at oh i could have something better i could be part of this uber elite i could have this stunning woman on the street corner i could have you know these twin models i could have all these things and then at the end of that movie he started going back and looking at what all those things would have been the girl got AIDS, the other person. And it was like, no, you're not actually looking at what you have. And I thought both of those were interesting. And it's like the inability sometimes of people, whether it be through their own choices or mental illness. And I think it's great for mental illness in that perspective that it's, you know, sometimes the inability, whether it be by choice or by, you know, something that's placed upon you in the case mm-hmm. of mental illness, your inability to recognize in the hours of the day what you have and you lose sight of that. And I thought that was really intriguing with her character at the end with that. Well, and I think you in this story get that balance between like um, what we do for ourselves, like finding that like personal happiness and then what we do for others and finding that happiness based on relationship. And you see how each of these characters is struggling with that balance, right? Where like very much Virginia Woolf kind of says like she has stayed alive for her husband, right? Like feeling like she has lived for him and, and then ultimately feeling like this has, it's going to come to an end and it's going to be for his betterment. Like that's how she, that's how she views it. Right. Um, and then the, the wife, you know, Julianne Moore very much struggles with that same notion of like, like doing for her family, doing for her husband, she even says like it's what was it's what they deserved when they came home from the war, right? Like yeah. they deserved us. Mm. We they deserved to have like a devoted wife and and children, and then coming to terms with like, but what what is life for me? And when she confesses yeah. to uh, Meryl Streep's daughter later on, like to stay would have been personal death, right? right. Like for, yes. for me to Which stay there would so have been personal death. Which is so fascinating. But line. realizing like that my family for my family it was all, it leaving was also going to hurt them, right? Yeah. And so that like finding that balance of like personal happiness and then the impact on others. And then you get the same thing with Meryl Streep where Richard says like, I've been staying alive for you and I I can't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's only with his death that you see Meryl Streep embrace her like personal happiness, right? Like we're like, that's like once that tie is cut, then she can live. Well, um, isn't that the whole line too? Just quickly that um, Stannis has with Nicole Kidman, and they're basically, and Nicole Kidman is saying, you know, and they're going back and forth, and he says someone has to die, yeah. in a novel, so the rest of us will value life yep. in the story, yeah. which is such an like such a great line of dialogue when you think yeah. about storytelling and just life in general. There is, yeah. and and that made me think of. Um... I'll always bring it back to Lord of the Rings, but there's whole passages in Lord of the Rings. If you ever read the novels about, you know, if, if you're, if you're a nerd like me, you know that the elves cannot die. They do not die unless they die. I know that from the movie. Yeah. They, if they die, if they're, if they're killed by bodily harm, they die, but they don't, they don't die of old age. They just live forever. Um, and there is, there is something Gandalf talks a lot about the gift of death and like what that, what, what can possibly happen if you, if you're unending and what, what, what corruption can happen to, to a person that is, that lives forever. It's like Jason Isbell's song. Vampires. 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 But, um, you know, also, also to talk about what, what you were talking about, the, the, the living for someone else, living for yourself. Um, it's something that has come up a few times on the Dax Shepard podcast with some of the more psych, um, psychologists, like experts, is this idea of like the the narrative self 
fulfillment versus the experiential self-fulfillment. So like in the way Dax really <laughs> simplifies it is uh, my experiential self loves that if I sit on my phone for two hours and go through a, a Facebook or Twitter wormhole and have a blast just like commenting on things and, and doing that. At the end of the day, my narrative self will tell me I'm an asshole for doing that because the story I want to tell about myself is not that I sat on social media for yeah. two hours. It's yeah. that I got out and helped other people or did this yeah, and that. But... And like, so when you, when you start to think about these characters in that lens, it's like, yeah, Meryl Streep's narrative self, she can tell herself at the end of, if she were to die right after Ed Harris, that she did such an amazing thing. Keep, you know, being with him and, and tending Take to him, him, taking care of him. Yeah. But her experiential self was, and, and for most of the women in this, the experiential self is way low. And so it doesn't need to be something as, dec I don't want to say, um, something as bad as like sitting on social media, but like just doing things for yourself that fulfill your own um, self-worth. Yeah. That, well, that are not explicitly tied to how someone else feels about and you. And I think that, so for, so for me, like that Ju Julianne Moore storyline really challenges that, right? And Because it, yeah. it makes us see how in our pretty recent history, we as a society very much were still kind of forcing people into these pigeonholes oh, yeah. of like, this is the expectation for oh what you God. do and as that adults, was right? The 50s. And, I mean, we could still go yeah. to the 90s. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and even, and even if you take it out of relationships, what, like think about the higher education. Yeah. Like what we've told kids about getting into college and getting a college degree, what what is that? Like yep. we, we can talk about this on so many different parallels. Obviously, this movie's talking about it on on like a personal relationship level, and how how those relationships are fulfilling. Um, but there are there are whole other constructs in our society that are kind of doing the same thing. Yeah, but I mean, and and, and you know, Virginia Woolf even speaks to that in terms of like, uh, you know, from a men mental health perspective. Like, yeah, I know my the doctors are saying like this is the life that I should be living, but yeah. that's not the life that I want. Yeah. Right, and so like, at what point do oh, we just like let he, me have the life that I want? That and, and as as good as the acting is in this movie, there are so many amazing sequences. The one that's like the most heartbreaking for me is when they're sitting at the train station, and he is about to like burst into tears, and he turns it around and just says, "Are you hungry?" It's just. I he that guy. He, I mean, because she has basically great, said like what, what he's what he's hearing in his mind is like, if we go back to the city, yeah. which is what you want, it's going to be the death of you, right? Right? Like, but for me to like let you have right. happiness and like be your best this, self for you, I have to let you do that, though it might lead to your death. Well, and that's right. but that's the echo of all of it, right? Because yeah. that's why, in essence, Ed Harris kills himself. Yeah, you know, in, in for Meryl Streep in in some way, and Julianne Moore leaves uh, her child and her yeah. husband. Mm -hmm. Who, I mean, what's interesting about this is I feel like all the relationships here. Um, there's not really a bad guy in the relationship. No. Literally a bad guy. Like John C. Ryle, O'Reilly. Yeah, he's like, a great he, guy. He seems it loves her. Like, I think yep. is genuinely well, I, loves her. I, I wouldn't yeah. say I that. He, I mean, you I wouldn't say that so, he's like, not a bad guy. And I, I wouldn't say that. I don't think we're given any indication that he truly loves her. I think I think what I took from that is he's sort of in that same trap. But well, but and that, oh, but I, so but I think what Brian's saying is he's not painted in a negative. Oh no light. no 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 no! I no, think, that's what I mean. I think they're you're not, getting he, a story of like this is this is a time period, right? This like, is yeah. like two people who think. But my point like, is like even yes, talking about yeah. like I spoke to Kitty's husband and she's going right. into the hospital. Uh, it's just a minor yeah. thing, right? So to me, you're getting that like this isn't just their relationship, right? This no, is more. This is more. Time they're period. not abusive. Right. They're not. No, no, like, right. She's right. not trying to do anything to hold it. Like all these people, even you know, with Virginia Woolf's character, Ed, they're they're not. They're people. Yeah. yeah. They're not like and archetypes. That story he tells Richie, right? Of like, well, you know, I I was fighting in the war, and I thought, like, I wouldn't thought it of... be nice to give that shy girl a family, mm -hmm. right? And so, like, you see that his story, like his perspective, is. 
look at this wonderful thing I did for this woman who wouldn't have accessed this kind of a life without me. Yeah. Right? Like I did a I did a wonderful thing for her. And then you're looking at it from her perspective as like this is the worst thing for me. But this right, is what's expected right, right. of me. Right? Like I'm supposed to fulfill but, this but, role. And and he is but to me, like the what I was reading what I was reading into it there is that He's he's doing the same thing. He is just not as far as her into realizing yeah. that he was. Well, yeah, he's playing his societal right, role. Right, right, oh no, right. absolutely. It's just not making him miserable yet. Totally. Well, and again, I come back to that scene in the. He's not Red Foreman ends. yet. He is still twenty years from he, becoming Red Foreman. Yeah, their the their final scene together. Yeah. To me, Julianne Moore, like the the way you hear her voice change. Yeah. Right. The way she speaks to him and you hear that shift of like the way she speaks to Richie. So there's this like the act, right? The, the role that she's playing of like, here's who I am for my husband. Here's who I am for my son. And you get these little glimpses of who she really is. Um, I, I do think that the 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 in, inference there is that it's the same for him. Mm-hmm. Right. But you're only mm-hmm. seeing her. You're seeing yeah. her perspective. Right. Her perspective. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's Nobody almost like, <laughs> but it's almost like a flip of the Tom Cruise, Nicole mm-hmm. Kidman characters, that relationship where we're seeing everything from Tom Cruise's perspective and you're getting sprinkles of Nicole Kidman. In this case, we're seeing Julianne Moore's perspective yeah. with that relationship. All right. How about let's do this to kind of round out the discussion. Favorite performances. Oh. Who's your favorite performance in this film? That's or really anybody, hard for me. I, I, can, you want me to, I can go first. You go first. To give you guys a second. Yeah. Uh, mine is twofold here. Honorable mention shout out to the kid. Yeah, that, that He is. I cannot watch. Like I had the, the most heartbreaking thing to me in this film is when he's screaming for his mother. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I can't deal with movies like that where you get the little kids mm. like ever since i've had kids i've the the, the ability the think of a child sitting there and watching that and absorbing that and then for ed harris to roll that over and play that character as an adult where you can clearly so much of that has been informed by what that kid would have been observing mm-hmm. is is pretty staggering uh but my favorite performance is julianne moore who I do think Nicole Kidman is great in this, but I thought if if somebody was going to win the Oscar for this, I thought it should be her. Mm. I thought she was out of this world in her scenes and even did a good job. I'm never a huge fan of when they put makeup on people to make them look old because I feel like it always just doesn't come out well, but I thought yeah. she played that part well so she's yeah. my favorite part of this movie I, and before we move on from her just the the one scene we didn't talk about that i love is the one that is sort of fantastical when she's laying on the oh, bed God, and they have yeah. the water come out from and under that the was bed. the trailer like yeah. that was oh the whole thing, like that, selling point. that scene yeah. is so freaking cool it's like a clean version of something they would, that kubrick would have done in the shining yeah, it would have been like yeah, blood would, or something, yes. but like, yeah, it, it reminded, was very Kubrick actually that, in the way that, they filmed that, that. that. Yeah, specific scene, the overhead shot looking down on the bed, um, which you get of her numerous times. There, there's uh, three or four times in this movie where she's just lying on her bed. Yeah, um, as yeah. like a timeout, like she's getting a timeout from all the performance that yeah. she's putting on. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it's, and that just made me think like we didn't talk about the use of color in this movie. So like the great, I don't use. know what you, is it like a filter? Like yeah. the, I mean the so like the color the tones. Palette, the palette. The, the, the it's the very palette, different. They, yeah, it's how they go in after the movie and how they light it. But they yeah. they very much yeah. spend a lot of time color timing this film, and they it's great. And I think that too, as we're talking about like historical pieces. The coloring of 2001 is a little bit different, yeah. but it yes, still doesn't absolutely. feel to me like it's like real life, right? Like right, it right, still right. feels like you're looking at it through a lens. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that helps in that idea that these are three different periods yeah. in time. And it's shot on film, which I love. And you can tell yeah. like it, that's when you it's see movies like done. this. I think period movies are difficult now if they shoot it digitally. It's too crisp. Like this yeah. is a nice grainy element to yeah. this film. I um my performance. It's so easy to pick Meryl Streep or Nicole Kidman. So I am gonna go with um 
I, I really, I thought Ed Harris was He's wonderful. Was He's great awesome. In this. Amazing. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly, like, I really struggle with picking one of the women because yeah. I think I, I could identify moments for each of them where I was just oh, like absolutely. blown away, like what they can do with just their face, right? Like what, like what you read into just their facial reactions to situations. Um, I mean, I I absolutely think that Nicole Kidman deserves the Oscar for this. Oh, she was. Like, I mean, you, any of them could have gotten. You don't. It and would have been... You don't recognize her as Nicole Kidman, and I don't mean that just like facially, right? Like her face looks different, but to me, she so becomes this character that like she is Virginia Woolf. Like she is an entirely yeah. The way she ca- person. she looks like she's a foot shorter than she is in Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. Oh, I, absolutely. Like the way she I would carries herself in this film, like her yeah. body language, everything. Becomes, yeah. yeah. I'll There's go, like I'll a go weird, like menacing. Like she, Virginia Woolf has this like menacing and and the and way she chaotic walks intelligence and, yeah. in her like, eyes, her, but just in the way she moves. Yes. There's like, this, but even like when you, like when you yeah. like her writing, like the shots of just her face as she's like sitting thinking, like in the scene with her sister and the yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah. I oh or, my god, and, and the, so good. Yeah, and and I think uh, Leonard, the guy who plays Le- Leonard, um, I forget his name. He's he's also incredible. Obviously, I already talked about him, but the way that Stephen Dillane, Stephen Dillane, yeah, he's the way he's playing a partner of a clear genius. Yeah. And like just knowing sort of what it's like to be caught in that like that like turbulent like thinking yeah. and yeah. and mind is 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 really interesting to yeah, me. Yeah, like you haven't eaten but you have an idea for a book. Go then, do it. Like yeah. go, yeah. go write yeah. the book. Then work. Right? Then yeah. work. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Oh, um, wait, I, before we finish, I want to know what Aileen yes. thought. Tell me. Uh, well, Aileen loved it. But I do have to say the funniest moment of the night was when Jeff Daniels rings the doorbell and it's uh-huh. a quick shot. And it goes, oh, it's Jeff Daniels. She goes, oh, I thought that was Elton John. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It was an Elton John coat. I felt like yeah, his, his coat it was, was very it, Elton it, John. You know, he did. That looked like maybe a, your early 2000 <laughs> no. Elton John. That's great. And then we both, the other thing, this we is a life lesson. We couldn't think of his last name last we night. We were, were like, watching this movie. We were watching this movie and we were like, do not pick up the dead animal. That is very unsanitary. <laughs> <laughs> that, those, those, are the, those are the discussions that Aileen In and the I 20s, though, that when we watch films. Yeah. yeah oh, I love all it. these films talking about like, but you know, all these themes and the two things we're talking about is we thought Jeff Daniels looked like Elton John and we were very <laughs> disturbed that that child oh, picked man. up a dead animal. I have to say my like I was so sad that they threw the crab dish out. I'm making the uh, crab I thing. Wanted, the crab oh, thing went in the trash. I was like, I want the crab thing. Oh, we didn't talk about I Claire Danes crab. either. Claire Danes. Oh, well, great. She was great. Oh, I mean, there's gosh. just so many good like that, performances. That little it's scene difficult. with her and Julianne Moore is yeah, outstanding. It's a, great, it's, it's, it's a wonderful it's, scene. Yeah. Oh, there's just so much good. Well, Let's get just... together. We'll watch this film. We'll have some crab dip. Yes, I want uh, the crab thingy. I want a, cl- a crabby thing. Yeah. Some one hope wine. And yeah. we'll, we'll <laughs> I want crabby yeah. homemade. All right. yeah, the crabs cl- crawling around in the sink. Yeah. Great. Yeah. It's great. All right. Ugh, Game so of the good. week. Okay. Here it is. Game of the week time. I feel like we should have had like maybe a, a less... Happy game of the week song. Oh, that's that's right. We're no, done. No. Uh, I, I mean, back. I felt like that was like a ha- that was a happy uh, yes. discussion. Right? I, I am <laughs> back to tough game this, yeah, this week. Oh, Fast for ranking. Oh. This movie had not one, okay, not two, not three, but four actress actresses. Excuse yep. me, who yep. have won the Oscar. Yep. We have Meryl Streep, Nicole Kidman, Julianne Moore, and Allison Janney. Meryl Streep has won three. All four have also won Golden Globes. Yeah. Yep. So uh, your I'll job this week God, is really to good. rank all them so one to four. I'm going to do this based, or we're not doing it solely on their performance in this film. No, nope, right? okay. this is just we rank them that so way. Hey, Brian, can we put this? I I want to know what people think about this one. Can yeah, we yeah. can we put this on the yeah. Facebook yes, page? Yes, we can. We can definitely okay. post this. On this Facebook. I'm just going to go with my favorite order, which is going to be Meryl Streep, Allison Janney, Nicole Kidman, Julianne Moore, mm. and I would say there is not much difference between Meryl Streep and Julianne Moore as far as like what they 
deliver. Yeah, they are all in fantastic. I will actually say that I think Alice and Janney and Julianne Moore have been in more movies that I like more. Agreed. Um, I would I would agree with that. And so it's it, but I I still have to put Meryl Streep above, um, above them because she's just fantastic. Every time I, I and to be fair, I don't think this is Meryl Streep. I don't think this is like a super Meryl Streep movie no like, i think this I is think very she's good really Just, good she's good yeah but, but it, i would agree it always reminds me of like a, how amazing she is in adaptation or something like that mm. where she's just this like weird <laughs> when she's high and she's doing so the phone long. tone oh so how good do you remember that we haven't seen I love that, that since movie. like 2003 yeah. we gotta watch Whoa, we that should one see again. that well, that will be but, something yeah. on the list so we gotta watch um, that and um, allison janney we just saw her in i tanya, I, tanya. amazing holy she's so amazing amazing i love her um, Scout punctuated that with a fart, with a stinky fart, <laughs> yes. such oh, a stinky I fart. I love it. Little oh, dog stinky farts, such a lot. Stinky, stinky farts. I didn't think dog. they did that when she they were puppies. Night. My God, just Dutch ovened us in the uh, office. Oh wow. Okay, um, I'm. <laughs> that is the highlight of the episode. Wrap it up. Ever, uh, uh, this yep, week's poll question: go. Have you ever been Dutch ovened mm, by your dog? That's a great one. It's a great one. <laughs> Um, okay, so I'm again. I'm also going to do this based on like my favorite movies that the they've been in. Okay, go so for I'm, it. So I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna go Meryl Streep, Nicole Kidman, Allison Janney, Julianne Moore. Like I think that's my order. I do. I love Julianne Moore, but I think I've there, I've had more favorite performances from the others in multiple films. Yeah. And Meryl Streep is just my like ride or die. Like yeah. I I just. I will. I love her. Yes. Love her. So her. I'm going to go. I think Meryl Streep, there's an argument to be made. She might be the best actress I, of all time. I, I mean, uh, certainly of, of our yeah. lifetime. Yes. I but maybe all, may, maybe all time. Yep. I, so she has to be number one. Yep. After that, I think it's a free for all. Yeah. Um, I would probably rank. Nicole Kidman too, just because I love Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Um, and I think she, if you look, even though we didn't like Eyes Wide Shut, from, yes, she, she did. So many great but performances. If you, but if you start to look at the things she does, yep. and she yep. picks really intriguing and all movies, different. yeah, absolutely, all, all over different. the map. She, so good. Interestingly, she, they did just collaborate. They were both just in Big Little Lies on HBO, yes. which I loved the show. And then when the, I heard they were bringing Meryl Streep in for season two, I was like, oh no, we've just gone to a whole new level. <laughs> That's. I mean, I just think she's great. Uh, three would probably be Julianne Moore. Mm -hmm. I there's a lot of. She's like sneaky yeah, in the she movie is. she's Children in. Of men. Yeah, oh, she's she, great. Uh, she's her, great right? as Maud, Maud Lebowski. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I so there, but Allison. My work Janney, has been described as vaginal. Vaginal. <laughs> but I mean, Allison Janney is another one. Too. I feel like I, love I think her too. probably Junior. if you just thought of the list, if you put all those names up there. Somebody would automatically put Allison Janney fourth just, just because, because she hasn't had as many yeah. of the like A-list roles. Right? Her like, performances. I, yeah, I totally I, agree. I really sit there. And if you're a West Wing fan, mm -hmm. I, I think it really ultimately comes down to her or Bradley Whitford as the best of the best doing Sorkin stuff. Mm. Like the two of them, if you watch that, she is so damn good. I would like good to see her recast as Atticus Finch in the Broadway production. I, I will go would... see To Kill a Mockingbird again with her I, as Atticus well, Finch. Yeah, but not with the Aaron Sorkin script. That's true. That's true. Okay. I All also right. want her Five to questions. <laughs> Here we go. Five answers. questions time. You want answers? I want the truth! What makes a man? Mr. Lebowski. Mr. Lebowski. What the fuck is the internet? Oh, God. Why? All right, it's five questions. If Jim and Katie are alive, because their dog is apparently dog still is passing gas, lighting it up in, over in here this, in this episode. Thankfully, <laughs> this is not a this oh is not God. an all sense podcast. Uh, you too much you beef lung to, today. Too much you, you beef lung. You don't have to smell. <laughs> uh, Katie is answering five questions this week, and Jim is asking. So here yeah. we go. Okay. All right, number one: thumbs yes. up or thumbs down on historical fiction. Two thumbs up. I love historical fiction. Now, that said, I can't say it's the genre I go to to read all the time, but for me, not always being um, 
great history student, mm -hmm. historical fiction has been my in yeah. to understanding history. Yeah, well, no, I think I think if yeah. you're if you're a history student, it's it could be rough because you start you start picking apart yeah. the, what's wrong with it. But for it, me, you know? so like, you know, I remember even just back in high school, like reading Killer Angels, uh, like that yeah. did more Everybody for me. Loves, understand, yeah, like I, Angels, I, that yeah. just was my inroad. And I wasn't even like a big, I, I wasn't a huge literature nerd until college, you know, but I like, I read that and I was like, oh, I get this. <laughs> like I, I get this you now, go. you know? Um, and so, yeah, I've come back around actually to a lot of the like classics that are, historical fiction and for me it's helped me understand time periods and events so much more than i ever did as a history student so i love right. historical fiction number two would you rather wear a prosthetic nose every day for a year or why or watch eyes wide shut once a week for that's a year that's such an easy answer uh the prosthetic nose obviously <laughs> do you think that's nicole kidman really... would rather wear a prosthetic yeah. nose or i, I feel I like would i would like be you. suffocating in that thing oh, no, I'm yes all, i'm in i'm yeah. into it let's do it i'm impressed that she did that i would also like you to watch eyes wide shut with no nudity what if we could get a blurred version and we would not see the nudity and just watch the movie without that Okay. Though I number, still come to the the end dialogue and feel like no, unsatisfied. I'm number unsatisfied. three. Okay, good. The movie with the best costumes Ooh, is that's so hard. Ooh, wow. Ah, I'm gonna wow. go. I'm gonna go more current day just to uh -huh. keep this easier for myself and say Black Panther. Ah, I, I love. Ah, I love. I think it really won. Good. Did it win that? It may have. I think it did. I think it no, I think it really did. I think that's what it won. Yeah, one like one. for creating a whole new world. That is yeah. that yeah. is that might be tougher than any question I've that's ever asked question. on this show. Yeah, that a is a great well question. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, all right, number four, favorite Meryl Streep movie. Okay, so Ooh. I went back through her list because I was uh -huh. like, God, I can't even start thinking about all of them. Uh, I think this is my favorite. Okay. Like when I start, oh, like I, there okay. are other characters that I've really enjoyed, but for me, they're more like lighthearted characters. Okay. You know? Um, so I look at like the like her role in Least Complicated, Devil. I love her in Devil Wears Prada. Mm -hmm. awesome, She's so good in awesome, Devil Wears Prada. Awesome. She takes on you know every character she plays. She just becomes that character fully. Um, but I, I think that I think that this is her best performance. All that, right. No, I haven't not seen Mama, every not movie. Not Mamma Mia. I actually never saw her in Mamma Mia, Brian. Uh, but I'm going to <laughs> Mamma Mia is pretty good movie. Yeah, I, I, I still feel strong it's in my not. decision. <laughs> oh, oh, you just don't like Abba, Jim. I Take don't. your Abba <laughs> hatred elsewhere. Okay, number five, deep thoughts. Which actress would play mm. you in a movie about your twenties, and then? A different actress for I your forties. Um, well, at so least she I can't think... say Idris Alba this week. Yeah. No, I think my twenties is Mini Driver. Okay. Oh, um, good choice. Like, like uh, Circle of Gross Friends, Point Mini Blank. Driver. Yeah, uh, Gross Point Blank. Gross Point. Yeah, yeah. Like I feel like she's a little bit of my spirit animal. Yeah. Um, I think forties is Winona Ryder. Oh, like, like a little like petite and fiery. Like like Stranger Things. Like yeah. Winona. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's All right. Fucking terrifying. The next 10 years are going to be interesting. Uh, it's just going to be the other world Yo, or listen, whatever that thing is Listen, our kid shaved called, the uh... side of her head yesterday, Brian. Yeah, yeah. yeah I saw that. I so, thought that looked awesome. I know. She's amazing, that kid. She is a method actor. Yeah. For she Halloween, is she in. is Spider-Gwen, and in. she went Spider-Gwen hairdo, and yeah. I appreciate that. Yep. We yeah. are going to, Claire's being Harry Potter. I went out and bought a lightning bolt brand. We're oh, just nice. going to brand it for life. <laughs> if you're going to, you got to own that costume. Yeah. You've got to own it. And oddly enough, I am being for Halloween, Jeff Daniels dressed as Elton John. That is what my Halloween Oh my God. Did you see the meme year? where it was Jack, Jack White, uh, Jack White with the top hat and, you know, being Jack White. Uh, and it basically just said Jack White looks like Michael Sarah dressing up like Johnny Depp Depp's. for Halloween. <laughs> and it really does. You can't unsee it once you see it. Oh, my God. Um, all right. So next week, our second annual Halloween Ooh. episode. What was last uh, year? Last year was The Shining. Mm -hmm. Now, we're going to do what we did last week, our new segment. 
we're we're taking out the box to oh. see if there's a fan because I want to know if there's actually going to be a scarier film in here. Oh, there could be. <laughs> then the one we're picking. Of all kinds uh, so Jim, why, so there was only one person who could obviously pick yeah, uh, yeah, Halloween film, and that was Jim. It's and funny. Jim's choice is amazing. Oh my His god, choice we didn't even get to talk about so Katie. Good. Hold Katie, on, Katie, was, Katie was at a sleepover last night with eleven third graders. Um, that's like a whole. We'll leave that for the next that, episode. Well, that's that's yes, why I'm that's sleep deprived today it was a whole thing but they were asking they're like so what's jim up to tonight because they knew that oh i watched far from home so i was like he's probably watching a scary movie no i I didn't because i know did you you like far from home i did had you seen it no not yet oh i liked it yeah i love did you get all the if looks could kill references in it yeah there are a lot there's a shot of even his like high tops like sliding (laughs) and oh it's so great so great the scout still farting uh, yeah. So I went, I went crowd favorite oh, here so uh, because I thought this was a scary movie that Katie and Brian would actually enjoy. Oh, I'm excited if and uh, I yeah, went I with wanted... Scream. Yeah, it's so good. Yes, that was a, that Netflix. was a that one movie got in my me. mouth. That got <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're gonna be what's scarier, the dog's <laughs> fart or the movie? Dogs okay, what did you eat? So bad. Jesus, I thought right. only old dogs farted like that. Oh. All right, so let's see what the fan choice movie would be, and we'll see. Oh, if look, there's scary. Katie right on the box. You can actually see Katie right there. Yeah, my, the like little the little arms, person, yeah. the little person. All right, let's see if this movie would have been scarier than Scream, because some of these movies are not like scary, scary, good, but good, just scary that bad, we would have to yeah. watch yeah. them. All right, so here, if we uh, chose the movies, it would be uh, Ten Things I Hate About oh, You, that's a great movie. which is not great scary. Not so scary. I don't think no, Alicia DeSanto, but. But that, it's a great suggestion. Great movie. And that is also leading me into a great plug because 10 Things I Hate About You came out in 1999. And in November, remember, we're celebrating the films of 1999. Oh. So you should all be watching 1999 films in the next few weeks because we, we will be know, talking about We want to also know what people were doing in 1999. Absolutely. Like people have to have some good stories from that. Year. I would love, mm-hmm. I'm going to post a picture of me from 1999. And I think we should all post pictures that of us from picture on that box is probably Katie from 1999. One, one of those, one of those is probably oh, also you. This from one is me in 1999. There you, <laughs> there you are. Literally, that's we, this me got in 1999. very easy. <laughs> I yes. think we are so all. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm already, not sure I'm I existed in 1999. Well, you existed no, like actually, a hold on. That was junior there year. There you are. Mm, there oh, yeah. you are. There's There's ni- yep. 19, yep. That is from. Yeah, that is from 1999. Yeah, 1999. So we have pictures everywhere. Uh, that will be upcoming. Scream is next week. Um, and that's it. I'm so excited. Like, for share, that. subscribe, review, all the good stuff. Say bye bye, Scout. Help yes. us out. Say bye bye, Scout. And please, every time you write a review, Scout won't fart. Yeah. Scout. So and listen to comedy or every listen to Pop fart. Addle this week. Oh, Tim yes, is back. Pop Addle. Tim is back. Thank God. The butterfly yep. dies. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye, bye. everybody. <laughs> bye.